Welcome to a brand new episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast. We all learn in different ways, and I feel like there's even more and more material out there nowadays to learn, whether it be through for leadership, through coding, through whatever you want to learn. There's so many ways to do it. We have our guest Madison on today to talk about how she's approached learning. Shirley's joining us today, and I mean, right now she's in a formalized education going back to school. So I think this will be a really good topic for us to dive into of like how we approach learning. Madison, as I kind of introduce you briefly, can you give a brief introduction of who you are, what you do and what your favorite happy hour beverage is? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me here. I'm excited. So I currently work as a senior software engineer at Walmart Health um, as of about six months ago. And I'm also the creator of Codebook Club, which is a developer meetup that I've been hosting the past three and a half years. And my favorite beverage, I feel like I'm super boring these days because I don't really drink alcohol or caffeine anymore, but I do really like different kinds of white wines. Nice. Also give introductions of today's panelists. Jem, you want to start it off? Jem Young, engineering manager at Netflix. Shirley Wu, former software engineer and data visualization designer, now in grad school for art and technology. And I'm Stacey London. I'm a uh, principal front-end engineer at Atlassian. And I'm Ryan Burgess. I'm a engineering manager at Netflix. In each episode of the Front End Happy Hour podcast, we like to choose a keyword that if it's mentioned at all in the episode, we will all take a drink. And what did we decide today's keyword is? Resources. Resources, resourcing, any of those are going to cause us to have some nice drinks. So that will be great. Let's dive in. I'm maybe curious at the start of the episode of just like what sort of things are you all learning these days? I am learning about, like everybody else, about AI and whether or not it's a threat to me. Am I? No. Uh, <laughs> trying to learn how to utilize it for certain things. Um, it is tricky because no one really knows what they're talking about. Like, what the current stage of AI, we're just, we, we don't really know what the output's going to be anymore, which is like a really weird place to be. So like, we don't know if the things that are generated are good or not. So I, I think AI is useful for some things um, like refactoring code base potentially, but I don't know what level we can actually trust it. And that's kind of what I'm learning today. Like, how can I use it for my team at work and see if we can help us be more productive or is this going to hinder us in the long run and kind of cost us something? So that's what I'm learning these days. That is a good point. I feel like you see all these people on Twitter who are making predictions about exactly what will happen with AI, but it's like no one really knows. Don't worry, y'all. I asked chat GPT if it's a threat. It says it can be and it can be beneficial. So <laughs> I, I didn't really get a straight answer, but I had to make sure. Uh, so I think we're, we're maybe okay. That's what AI is going to tell you. Hey, are you a threat to us, a threat to humanity? No, of course not. I'm just a lowly AI. I'm here to help you. But, you know, I got to admit, it said AI can be both a threat and a benefit. So, you know, it's somewhat self-aware. I mean, like Jem, I've definitely been diving down the AI road. And just I think it is one of those things where you have to try and decide how is it beneficial to us? How can we leverage it? And yes, some of the things may be scary. I've seen some weird videos and things that are created with multiple different tools of AI being stitched together where I'm like, wow, you have Bill Gates saying something that he did not say. There, there's some interesting things that can be done, but I think there is a lot of benefits that I'm seeing and, and possibilities that we can be leveraging our day-to-day -day jobs. I don't think it's going to replace us. I don't see it being perfect yet, but maybe at some point it does. 
But for now, it's more like how can we leverage it as a tool? I feel like always too, as as ever since I've been in management, I'm always looking for opportunities to read or learn new ways of approaching leadership, management. So I find like whether it be podcasts, videos, books, whatever it is, I constantly am kind of keeping up with that. For for me, I'm, I uh, just recently started on a new product. And so I'm learning a new code base, um, sort of a divergent thing where it's not necessarily a totally new set of technology or or anything and the stack is kind of familiar but you know everyone implements something slightly different so it's just kind of learning a large new code base and getting your head around it um and then also strangely i'm like refreshing myself with iframes because we're doing some interesting integration work and so everything that is old is new again and i'm trying to re uh, reacquaint myself with those and communication patterns cross frame iframes wow Fun, fun times. What's next? Some XML? Oh my God. My very first project was visualizing XML. That's how I learned D3. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've all dealt with XML at some point or another. And it has been a long time since I've touched XML. And I don't want to again, if I can avoid it. Yeah, for me, I've been learning computer science kind of just at the beginning of my journey and just trying to learn more about how computers work. So I've been doing this in a few ways, um, doing a lot of self-study. And then uh, I've been doing self-paced courses at this program called CS Primer. And then I'm also in the fall taking a more formal class at a school called Bradfield, which is for software engineers who work by day, but want to learn more computer science by night. Right on. That's a lot of learning all at once, Madison. How's it coming so far? How long has this been going on? I only, well, you know, I've dabbled over the years on and off, but this year I really decided to take it more seriously. So I'm kind of preparing for the class in the fall. That'll be a lot of my time and it's going to be all of my focus besides my main job. And right now I'm just kind of baby stepping a little bit and doing more self-paced learning. So it's kind of interesting, Madison. So you're a developer at your job, but you're also like learning, going deeper on computer science and as additional work. Yeah, it's kind of my weekend thing. (laughs) That doesn't sound very fun, but yeah. Hey, I mean, it, it probably, it helps you in your role. So that's very cool too. And like a lot of people will go get a computer science degree and then, you know, go get a job. But it's cool that you're like, no, I'm working on the job and I just want to deepen my knowledge of of computers and computer science. Yeah, I agree. I, I was just going to say that I think it's really cool how we've kind of come from, it almost used to be that the only really big option was to go some formalized education route through a class or a university or like some, but then nowadays there's just like so many different options of uh, like Madison, you're talking about taking a self-paced course, but then also taking a course that's more formalized. And that reminds me of, um, I think we talk about this a lot about how a lot of us are drawn to front end development because it's so fast paced. So then we're constantly learning and that learning is what's what keeps it exciting. But also I think there's something interesting about talking about different learning styles. So like I highly respect anybody that can do self-paced coursework. Like I fall off so easily if I'm trying to do like a Coursera. Um, like I just can't keep myself motivated. And so I have to be in like that formalized setting with an instructor and classmates. And I can't do remote learning very well either because I just get so distracted. And so that's why I went back to grad school because I was realizing that 
I really, really wanted to learn like new skills that are kind of tangential to my software engineering skills, but also different enough that I knew I couldn't just do it on the side and I couldn't do it just like in, in between all of my client projects. Um, and so I went, I chose to go back for like a focus two years where I'm sitting in classrooms, there's professors, and I have to hold myself accountable by turning in assignments. And that's how I'm learning. But like mad respect to everybody that, you know, can do it by themselves, because then you don't have to take two years off of work and pay crazy amounts of tuition and you can learn just by yourself. I mean, it takes a lot of discipline too when you're doing it on your own, right? Like just hearing Shirley, you're saying like, yeah, it's hard to kind of balance that. And yeah, you can, if you have the luxury to sit down and take that time to really focus, that's awesome. But yeah, it, it can be difficult to force yourself to be like Madison on the weekends, like learning more. It's like doing your day job and then learning even more. Madison, I'd be curious, how do you balance that? Like, what do you find allows you to keep that focus and uh, rigor around the learning aspect? Yeah, well, I don't always, but I try to. Um, I think what keeps me focused is honestly, I just... I really want to improve my skills and often at work you're learning, but you're not always learning all of the time, I think. And so learning outside of work is just a way of keeping my skills up to date. And so that really drives me because that's something I really want to do. Um, but I try to set different systems into place, like going to bed early and having certain milestones uh, and obviously like external accountability helps a lot too. But I, I do think I'm used to it though, because I've had so little formalized education in my life. I was homeschooled growing up. I left college after a year. I didn't go to any sort of coding boot camp. So I feel like all my learning has come from like trapping myself in my room and not locking the door and not leaving until I've learned a bit. That's awesome. I love that journey. I'm curious too, when you say about like external accountability, how do you do that? Like what's, how do you leverage having external accountability to help with your learning? Yeah, I've done different things. So my older sister, also a software engineer, we've really kept each other accountable by telling each other our goals and then, you know, kind of shaming each other if we haven't done them in, in a positive way though. And then also my book club that I started about three years ago, I hosted this book club every Sunday for the past three years. And so telling myself, okay, I'm going to read this book and then inviting other people to join me, I forced myself to show up every Sunday because I said, I'm going to host this. And so if I don't show, then all those people can't even get into the Zoom room. Um, and sometimes I don't feel like it, right? You wake up on a Sunday, you're like, I do not want to code. I do not want to go on Zoom. But it's a really good way of like putting this external accountability that's for free. You don't need any sort of outside uh, institution or anything. That's awesome. I'm a big believer in the keeping a schedule of things. I, f I feel like that's how we've kept this podcast always going. It's like we know that there's biweekly releases. So we're like, oh, you know, there's a few times we definitely have missed it with holidays or we all were way too busy, whatever it is. But for the most part, for the past like five or six years, I can't even remember how long this podcast has been going on. It's just keeping that rigor of like, oh, yeah, no, I have to do this. And there is times where you're like, Oh, I'm not feeling like getting on another call and, and talking, but I think that that goes a long way for me. I know that's something that's kind of helped me. So I like that, that even external with your sister being like, you know, shaming each other and saying like, <laughs> Hey, you didn't finish that goal. Like, I think that's really yeah. good. Sometimes you, you mentally feel like accountable to something rather than just like, Oh, it's so easy to just not do this. I'll do that tomorrow. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to make it into a habit. Like I used to 
hate working out and I was very inconsistent with working out. But now I always work out four times a week, even when you just you wake up and you're lifting the weights or you're on your bike and you're literally sitting there and thinking like, I do not want to be here. Zero motivation. This is not great, but you just go through the motions and do it anyways. I found that really helpful. Yeah. It's like once you get that into your like schedule and you're just kind of, you get used to it and it's just like becomes a habit, which is really cool. I like you're both mentioning a, yeah, a habit. It's not something you think about when you're learning. Like you never, they don't teach you that in school. Like we all had probably at least 12 years of formal education at some point. They never teach you like, here's how you make a habit of doing things. I think they try with homework and like, oh yeah, you learn at school, you have to go home and like reinforce that learning, et cetera. But it's never explicit in here's how you should do it. Here's how you set your target. Here's how you set your goals. And I, I don't know. That's an interesting uh, thought on our modern education system. It's like they don't teach you how to learn. They just like learn. Don't worry about how to do it. And truly, I, I love you called out. We all learn differently. Some people need that kind of formalized structure. And Madison, you're like, I'm a bit more informal. It's more of a habit. I'm with you, Shirley. I need like someone to push me. You know what I hate is like open world games. Because I'm like, what should I do next? And they'll be like, anything you want, Jim. The world is your magical world. I'm like, yeah, but what should I do next? I like, I, 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 I need structure. I like a linear progression of things. Open worlds frustrate me because I'm a completionist. So then, like, I just, <laughs> I'm like, where do I? How do I complete everything? I also think it's very interesting that you touch on education, the education system, and. I found that there is a big difference in my mind between studying versus learning. So as like a needing a formal structure, I can be very self-motivated in what I want to learn um, just because there's plenty of teachers and professors that did not teach. And so I had to self-study and learn it. But I think it's a very interesting, when I was in school, it was all about studying. And so studying as in I'm not trying, I'm, I'm only studying for the sake of a test and getting a good grade on a test. And um, oftentimes I'm cramming and by the end of the midterm or final, I just like, after that, like all of the information is purged. And I think I spent an unfortunate number of years studying because I think when I was, especially in high school, I didn't know why I was studying. I just was studying because I was told I need to get into a good college. And once I get into a good college, I'll hopefully be able to get a good job. And so the motivation was completely wrong for me. And I think the sh fundamental shift happened for me when I started taking computer science classes. And that was probably the first time I got a shitty grade. <laughs> Where I think that was like my first C or something. I know. I'm sorry. This is a, we had a whole conversation about how I was raised to be like a good kid, like a, yeah. And I had a mini existential panic of, oh, if I'm not a good student, what am I? And then that was kind of the, once I had that, I was like, oh, well, if I don't care so much about the grade, then I can just concentrate on learning. And I love, and then that's when I learned that I love learning. Um, just for the sake of the knowledge instead of for the A or B or C or whatever. And then I continued to do a CS minor, got a lot of bad grades, but loved every single class and every single project. And uh, and then I think that's what carried over once I graduated and entered and started doing software engineering as a vocation and, and just 
learning because the knowledge acquisition is so fun. I laughed at you when you said the C part, Shirley, because I know we've we've definitely talked about that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I, I'm very much, you know, I'll admit, I wish I applied myself more in high school. I was very much a like, yeah, whatever, as long as I pass. And I didn't put a lot of effort into studying because I didn't see the point. It was like, I'm not retaining this information. I'm just literally studying to get some mark to say that I passed this class. It wasn't really for me until I started realizing that when I care about something, going to college and doing project-based things, I have to figure out how to solve something, right? And those were the times where I really wanted to go deep and learn it. But even when you started like in college, if I had like theory-based things around computers, it was like, I don't care. Like I, that doesn't really help me. In hindsight, I, I think I regret not caring about it at the moment. Like, I think if I went back like you now, Shirley, I probably would care more. I actually really enjoy some of those history things to understand, like, how we got here today. But in the moment, I was like, I just want to solve and build right now for this thing and don't really care about how we got here. And so that's that was an interesting journey for me that I reflect on. There's times where I'm like, huh. It'd be kind of cool to go back to school. I don't think I will. But in some ways, I'm like, I feel like I'd be a better student. I definitely had teachers tell me I probably wouldn't amount to shit. And so it's really funny that I'm like, I always laugh at that. I'm like, yeah, I, I get why you thought that. But it was just I wasn't applying it to things that I, it didn't matter to me. When I found something that mattered to me, then I applied it. Two more thoughts. I I, I think about this a lot. Um, and the first thing is, uh, my husband and I have talked about this about how how much work experience helps in realizing not only like the value of learning, but also why we're learning. And we were talking about this specifically about how when we took statistics like in high school and college, we're like, why are we like when or even when I took geometry, I'm like, or um, not geometry, maybe it was uh, one of the math things. I was like, why would I ever need to remember Sokotoa? Like, why I'm never going to use this in real life. Um, and then a psych like 10 years later, data visualization is all about Sokotoa and like <laughs> and geometry. But then there's like, I think because once we start working, we realize the things that we actually need. And then like maybe we have like a faint idea of something we learned in school or maybe not through school, but like and, and then we get the work experience to be like, oh, this is why it's important. And then being able to relearn that again, um, that's, I think, when it really sticks in our heads because then we have the reason for why it's important to understand it well. Um, so I think about that a lot. That's why, Madison, your your learning journey is is super interesting. Like, you're an engineer at, at uh, Walmart um, Health and you're also taking computer science classes. I'm I'm super jealous. Like I wish I could go back and take CS now that I know, like you're saying, Shirley, what is applicable, what's not. Because I probably would have paid more attention to like practical stuff like databases and maybe networking. Not so much on like operating systems and like low-level programming that I know is not applicable to the the field. But so far, Madison, have you found like it's it's easier to learn or you can focus more on things that are more practical to your day-to-day -day and less on the like theoretical big O times of bubble sort and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think it is a lot to do with the program that I've been doing. So CS Primer is like the self-paced courses. And then the formal school that I'm taking in the fall, similar to what Shirley said, 
it's all project based and it's all really designed um, to focus on like what is practical, like what are the practical computer science things that might actually come up in your job or that will make you a better engineer. So it's much less focused on like a traditional computer science degree and what that might entail, if that makes sense. So that's what I really am loving about it so far. And I think in general too, I just wanted to learn and understand more about how computers work and computer architecture because I like as engineers, we're working at, you know, one level of abstraction, but I often feel like if I go one level like deeper, I don't understand how that level of abstraction works. And so what I love about this program is, yeah, it's really focused on how can you learn more of computer science and how computers work, but in a practical way that could make you a stronger developer. So it's not like the um, com- the traditional computer science degrees and everything is really project-based and exercise-based rather than getting a grade. Yeah, I feel like we, over the years, I've been on rants about CS programs and how they're not, like the professors there often don't have any real-world experience. Like I think in my, my CS program, like one or two actually like worked at a company. And so it, it showed in the way they taught. And my favorite professors were always the ones that are like, yeah, I was doing this project at, at IBM and then we were doing waterfall and you know, this thing didn't work out. And I was like, okay, that's stuff I want to know versus the the people that went straight to, you know, bachelor's, master's, doctorate in CS. It's like, cool, but I, my, my life goal is not doing research papers onto like the limits. And I'm not saying there's not room for both. Like AI would not be where it is if there weren't people getting doctorates in CS and, and math and data science to push us in this direction. But it's the it's the practical side that I like. So I'm I'm with you, Ryan. I was I was not a good student in high school because I was like, what do I do with this? Like, show me what to build. Show me what I can do. And that's that's still how I learn today. I don't care about theoretical. I care about like, I need to solve a problem. How can I learn that? Okay, I've learned it. Cool. Let me put that in my encyclopedia of things I know. But if you're just like Jim, you need to learn, I don't know Bayesian statistics. I'm like, why? I'm out. I'm, I'm going to go play an open world video game. Just a small example of just like the something theoretical and then practical. I remember learning about interfaces in a programming language is like Java as an example. Theoretically, I was like, yeah, I kind of get it, but I really didn't. And the first time that it actually clicked was when I actually built something in Java that required it and needed it. And then it was this sort of aha moment of like, oh, that's what they're good for. <laughs> so I feel like that's, it's like, for me, it's very much that that idea of, the theory and doesn't quite click until I'm building something in the real world that really that needs it. And then it then it makes a lot of sense. It's interesting because I see so many developers who had a bad experience in traditional computer science schooling where they got a bad grade or they got a C in computer science classes and then they thought like, oh, I'm really bad at this, right? Because you get a bad grade in something and then you see yourself as being bad at that thing. But then I've heard of so many people who then go out into the real world and they're these great developers and they work at these incredible companies. And so I just find it fascinating that so many people are a little bit scarred in some ways from traditional education where maybe you're not doing well in school and you get a C and you think, I'm just not good at that thing. But then you go out into the real world and really that thing is a completely different thing and you're really good at it. And I see this as a really common theme with um, different developers, like those with computer science degrees or without, a lot of them had not great experiences. And then they kind of go into the real world and start building these incredible things. That's so cool too. And I think there's so many ways in which you can learn. Like there is the traditional school that is still there and it's it's not going away. But there is so many now options that you could do something different. I joke, but like YouTube wasn't 
available when I first started programming like that that didn't exist and now there's just amazing content on YouTube for free someone's teaching you how to build some react application or whatever it is and you can learn so quickly just from free resources then there's like amazing paid services there's like boot camps but there's even services online like we talk about front-end masters there's there's a lot of them out there that are so great material and i think that's really cool and i'm curious how do you all now approach learning for, with some of these resources that are out there cheers cheers actually i think that's a really great point that i also want to kind of circle back to the different learning styles for the longest time i thought that learning from a textbook was all like in other than lectures uh if i'm trying to self-study learning from a textbook or reading documentation i thought was the only way i could go about it ryan i there was youtube when i started but there was no it was still back when youtube was like i don't know vlogs and and there's no you know like dev resources on youtube um so i thought learning was reading a textbook um, and I just like forced my way through a book and, and now that we have just being able to watch videos, um, that is such a huge, like that I, I can't go back. And in terms of when I wanted to learn a new library or a new language, being able to watch a workshop of like an expert telling me like, here's the parts of the library to pay attention to when you're starting out. Like, here's how you go through the documentation. Here's like where the community is for you to learn or you to ask questions. Um, having that, but also just in retrospect, thinking about the fact that when we code, we don't code line by line. Like we don't go like line one, line two, line three. And like we go like we write some in line one and then maybe we write 10 lines and then maybe we go back to line five and we add something because it's all kind of like a flow of how we're thinking. But when we're just reading a textbook and everything is static, like we only see the finished product and we don't see the thought process that someone might have put into like why they structured the code that they did. And so being able to watch someone even like coding in a video and the thought process of like why they have the code and, and just seeing the process, um, I find it's extremely helpful. So now I love being able to watch the video and like some instructors now even have like video plus the like written, everything written out. And so I like watching the video and then like scanning through their text. Um, so yeah, that's how I do it. One thing that's cool too of like the videos, I'm going to say this is a long time ago, Shirley, you and I were talking, it was your first episode that you were on actually as a guest. We were at Evernote. And I remember we were just recording there and you were talking about, I think I'm going to do live like streaming of coding. And I remember being like, that's so ridiculous. Like, why would anyone <laughs> want to watch people live coding? And I, I'll admit, like, I honestly was kind of like, that just seems bizarre, but I'm proven very wrong is how great that is because you're you're able to see someone solving a problem, seeing how they approach it. You see even tools that they're using in their editor, whatever it 
is. And you can like learn so much from those instances and you can ask them questions while they're doing it. It's pretty powerful. That one sticks out in my mind. That moment when you told me that I was like, that's so weird. Why would you want to do that? And I stand corrected. Well, credit where it's due. That's from Suze Hinton. Uh, she wrote an amazing blog post and she called it massively multiplayer online pair programming. <laughs> Because it's a two-way street. Like, I'm sharing how I think about how I write code. But then people in chat are also telling me, hey, you could potentially do it this way. Like, hey, like, did you know about this new ECMAScript thing or something? I mean, there's a fine balance because sometimes it can get toxic and very mansplainy considering how I look like. But um, overall, it's a very good, like, mutually beneficial experience. And I wish I'm still doing it. Any other ways that people and that you all are finding useful for learning? I think for me, I have to have a project or a problem in front of me. Otherwise, I feel like I won't learn as well. So it has to be a problem or some sort of project, like really project-based. But also, I know, Ryan, earlier you said that, you know, YouTube wasn't always around and now we have all these great resources. Um, <laughs> drink. Cheers. Um, but we have all these great resources. So learning is easier than ever. But I also think learning has been has become really hard because we have all of these great resources, like YouTube has said it again. We have all these great things like YouTube now, but then we also have all of these distractions. Like we live in a world that is designed to distract us and take away our focus through every second. So for me, the biggest thing has been learning how to focus and stay focused and not distracted by everything out there, you know, email, Slack, Twitter, all of these different things. And so focusing on that has helped me learn much more uh, than I used to. That's well said. I think it's also trying to find like what material is good material too, right? There's a lot out there. And so there's really good. There's some okay, but it, it can take some time looking around to find the right thing that you're trying to learn or the, the best suited content. One, one thing I've seen, uh, to your point, Madison, I, I agree. It's like, oh, there's so much great content you can learn without a college degree these days. However, there's so much great content and you're pulled in a million directions. And like you said, everything's designed to kind of grab your attention and maybe not necessarily teach you the best way. It's just like, I feel like I'm learning something, but you may not be. And that that's something I've seen quite a bit over the past, uh, say, four or five years, which is people want to be around the presence of learning and following people on Twitter that are posting code snippets. And you're like, yeah, I feel like I'm smarter. But you're not really. And I don't know. I don't know how to describe this phenomenon, but it's just like um, I, I can't describe it. But it's like I have tutorials going on in the background while, say, I'm I'm uh, recording an episode of Front and Happier or like I, I'm writing a doc. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely learning. Madison's giving this giving this great talk on computer science or something. And I feel like I'm learning because like she's talking and I'm like, yeah, I'm nodding along. But my focus isn't there and I'm not really learning anything. It just like, it gives the appearance that I'm learning. So I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of that. I, I see it with um, Twitter, especially where people follow really good engineers on Twitter because you're like, I want to be smarter, but you're not really smarter. You, you're you just, you're seeing smart people maybe talk about things, but you're not like uh, absorbing it in, in a way. I do think that project-based and like having an outcome where you're like, okay, I've made these stumbles uh, and I understand the pitfalls and here's why I'm doing this. And to, to everyone, it's important about like the process of learning 
is arguably probably more important than the thing you're learning itself. Cause like how you get into your memory, how it's, how it's saved is like, how are you going to recall it later? And not just uh tutorial driven development where it's like, do this and then do this and then do this and then do, do this. And then you're like, cool. I built an app. I'm like, cool. What did you learn? How to build well, I learned app. how to build an app. Yeah. I'm like, okay, build me another one, but it's a little bit different. They're like, ah, uh, well, let me find another tutorial on that. And like, I think that's what I'm getting at. It's like this tutorial driven development or trying to learn by osmosis. Like it just doesn't work. You have to put the time in. You have to dedicate yourself to to do something. Otherwise, you know, soon you'll be replaced by AI because <laughs> AI can do tutorials really well. It's that it's that edge cases that you have to put together complete uh, different sets of information that, you know, aren't in the same place. And that's kind of what intelligence is. That's what learning is. I don't know. I, I'm 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 having trouble formulating this thought on like my problem with a lot of learning, why we don't seem to be necessarily getting smarter, even though there's more content out there and more ways to learn. We're just kind of like we're all just okay. When we all should be like brilliant by now. That's what the internet's for, right? I think that is so true. And I think it's because like according to everything I read, it's because our brains are basically addicted to new stimuli. And so you're scrolling on Twitter or how many Americans are on TikTok now and you see coding content and you think you were learning because you're looking at it, but then you're scrolling through 800 tabs or you're watching a video in the background, like you said. And so maybe you're learning a little bit, but you're not really deeply learning. And it also feels easier, right? Like our brains don't want to learn hard stuff. And so you think that you learned all of these things, but you really didn't. And I mean, to your point about AI, I think that AI is showing us right now that it's not important to know one skill like React or something, right? Because skills are going to change so fast and maybe we're going to be using AI all the time. The most important thing is, can you learn new hard things like really quickly and really deeply? And for most of us, I mean, including myself, it's probably no, right? Because we're spending all day looking at these things or learning in these ways that are not really effective. Um, so yeah, I just find it really fascinating. I also really agree with this and I want to bring it back to what we were saying about theory versus practical application um, and I'm gonna go a little bit on the I appreciate having theory like I, I agree like learning theory is not fun because you're like why would I need this um, but to what Madison said earlier about like I love the fact that you are taking computer architecture because you want to understand how computers work because i think that does have a lot to do with like how we take a concept and extrapolate it and make it our own of when we follow tutorials that is very practical we are making something but then like the step from that to making it our own i personally think has a lot to do with understanding how things work underneath the hood and I do think that that's what a lot of the theory teaches us of like I to this day like have never had to build my own linked list or like or my own binary search tree right because why would I I've never had to implement my own sorting algorithm but I deeply appreciate knowing how they're implemented because then I know exactly how I'm going to take advantage of it and make that my own so I am on the like I agree with both sides of like I really like practical um but I don't want to just shit on theory <laughs> That is fair. I mean, we kind of have a little bit, but I see your point, Shirley. It's it's allows you to better understand how to 
leverage something and and really use the right sorting algorithm or you know how can i best use this i think that's a really great call out for some of the theory aspect and not just about the practicality which good point thank you and i also wanted to like what madison said about focus is so good like i really appreciate at that point and i was trying to think about like what helps me focus um and i've tried i've tried like pomodoro timers uh i feel like maybe the biggest thing for me has been um just putting my phone on do not disturb and literally putting it across the room so i can't get distracted by like my phone lighting up with messages um but also i realized that when i'm doing my learning or coding or any of my work i have different levels of concentration i don't know if this is this is like an open invitation for discussion because i've I've never talked about it with anybody um (laughs) but like i have my like most focused level which is i put on some lo-fi and i have zero distraction although the lo-fi does have a pretty video animation um and i'm like reading or i'm watching like maybe I'm watching a video or I'm, I'm coding, but that is like my most high concentration. I cannot have any distractions. My phone is across the room. Then there's a tier that's like a little bit mundane work. Like, you know how we all have code that's like, we're maybe nudging pixels around. It does require some attention, but like we don't have to put in all of our attention. That's when I like putting on like a like a podcast or a movie on the background because for some reason that stimulates my brain enough that I don't act, like it's weird because that actually helps me focus on the task because the task is so mundane that if I'm just doing it by itself, I'll get distracted and want to go do something. Like I want to go. I don't know, to Twitter or Instagram or something. But the fact that I have like a movie on in the background, not a new movie, not too interesting of a movie either. So this is, I have a whole tier of like content that's not inter- not too interesting, like podcasts and movies that are, and dramas are not too interesting that I would get distracted, but just interesting enough that it will keep my brain activated. Like I call it my second tier content entertainment that I put on. I don't know if people do this. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely find that for sometimes like even wanting to go to sleep or something where you put something on in the background where it's like you're not so engaged on it. I'm not one to like listen to a podcast while I like code or try and learn it. I find that actually too distracting. But I think to your point is like trying to limit distractions is is absolutely a great way to learn i also find time of day can matter right like some people are more productive in the evening some are more in the morning some are you know in the afternoon whatever it is for me like i'm really productive in the morning no distractions like if i can actually get up early and have no one bothering me that is actually a very good time for me sometimes very hard to do i see jem shaking his head because i know i think he's on the opposite end where he'll be like a late night person and so i think it's like even knowing yourself of when when those times are what is right and finding your like atmosphere too like I do not want a bunch of crap around me. Like, I mean, my desk is clean, cleared out, everything, you know, even to your point, Shirley, that things are distracting um, on screen. It's like, I, if I'm learning, I want just that video or just whatever I'm watching, not a bunch of tabs, not Twitter open. And the minute I do that, I'm like, oh, ooh, I just spent 10 minutes on Twitter. It's distracting. Like, it, it happens. I, I am a late night person. If I, if I have a hard problem to solve, 1 a.m. in the morning, that's like my peak brain time. I, 
I can't change it. I wish I could. I wish I was like, you know, 10 a.m. in the morning is when I solve hard problems, but that's just not the way it works. Um, uh, one technique I, I learned about actually from the uh, one of the Netflix uh, employee resource groups is uh, something called body doubling. So it, it's, it's uh, a technique from people who have ADHD, but it's this concept that if you're around the presence of other people that are working, it can help you stay motivated to work. And it's, it's a really weird concept, but it works. You know, like if you're in an office full of people and they're all like heads down coding, the chances of you getting into the zone and heads down coding are, are much higher than if there's a bunch of people kind of running around or like you see people obviously online shopping or things like that. Uh, so it's something to consider about uh, we, we lost it with the remote work and things like that is the concept of being in the office can make you more productive because you see other people being productive. That actually works well for me. When I go into the office, I'm like super focused. Uh, I, it, I trade off the commute time versus my productivity in the office. Like I can get a lot more done at home, but if I'm in the office, I, I get so much more done because I'm around the presence of other people working. So just different techniques for productivity, which we should have an episode on that as well. Like, Learning and productivity kind of go hand in hand a bit. Yeah. I mean, for me, Jem, I'm, you know, yours and my job being managers, you're in a lot of meetings. I prefer to be in person for meetings. I find sitting on the screen can be very distracting. Like I've optimized certain things where I, you know, have notifications shut off. I sit back, like lean further back in my chair so that I'm not as easy accessible to click around on, you know, get on Twitter or something that can be distracting. Be I find like I want to be present for the, and it's usually not like a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but it will be more like a large meeting. It's really easy to let something distract you. So I can see why being around people can help you just focus. Before we dive into picks, I think it'd be useful too. Like, I think we all have these like little snippets of advice that we've been sharing already, but what's like one piece of advice that you would leave our listeners for improving their learning, or maybe it's a material um, resource cheers that people can, can leverage. Um, I can go first. I, one of the things I've seen a lot of um, new grads or people just getting into the industry ask me is like, well, what should I be learning? There's so much to learn. The topics are just everywhere. There's so it's overwhelming. And the, my advice is sort of just to focus on the thing that helps you get your, your day job done. So like if you're building in a particular stack that is, has certain libraries in it, do some tutorials about those libraries, but don't do some like generic tutorial about, you know, oh, I'm curious about a library I'm not using in my day job. Don't do that because that's really not going to help you and it's going to be overwhelming. Like start, just scope it and laser in on like just the things that you're trying to do every day and get better at that. Over time, you'll be able to like learn a, an equivalent library that you're not using and start to see patterns um, and kind of extract yourself away. But at, at the beginning stages, it's like, just learn what you need to do to get your day job, day job done. We've, we've said it a few times and I a hundred percent support this, uh, to learn something, build something that's interesting to you, like understand your motivation and apply that. That's my personal style of learning. Uh, I think it's, it's probably one of the more practical ones, which is like find an interesting problem. I want to learn how to 
I don't know, build my own AI. I want to learn how to uh, stream chat B GPT's responses into Bard's responses and like build some sort of real-time AI where they're talking to each other or something like that. That's super cool. Think of all the things you're going to learn along the way. You're, you're going to learn a lot more doing that than you will following some tutorial where, yeah, you'll build something by the end. It'll probably work, but what did you learn? Like what, what mistakes did you make? And the mistakes you make along the way of learning are probably more important than the things you actually learn because your brain is like, okay, I learned where the boundaries are. I can, I can come back and like associate that with the things I've learned. So that would be my advice for learning. Build something practical, build something you're really interested in. Because if you're talking about interviews and things like that, that will show up later. Like, why did you build that? Well, the professor told me to. Why did you build that? Because it was really interesting. And I ended up learning all these other things along the way. I a thousand percent agree with both of you that like, because when you build something that's interesting to yourself, it also keeps you motivated, right? Like coding can be hard. Learning new things is very hard. And so there's ultimately, let's say you're doing a personal project. First of all, I really agree with Stacy that like personal projects, um, I found when I first started working that my personal projects like really helped, even though it wasn't exactly the same as what I was doing at work, they really helped complement each other where I could take something I learned in my personal project, apply it at work or vice versa. But also like when it's self-motivated learning, we I, I find that I often hit this like slump where I'm like, I've been working on this project on the side nights and weekends for weeks or months and I'm so tired of it. But if it's something that I'm really curious about or interested in, um, I'm usually able to get over that hump. Having said that, um, I often, when I get that similar question of like, how can I get started? Um, one of the most important things to me is reminding people to start small. Like everybody, like oftentimes for, for me, I get a lot of questions about data visualization and people will be like, I want to get like, I want to collect this, my own data set. I want to like design everything and then I'm going to have it do X, Y, Z. And it's going to be so fancy. Um, but then like, if you're learning, if you're just starting out, like every single one of those are going to be like a really hard challenge that like could be demotivating. So like start out small, be like, oh, my first step, I'm going to just draw this again. This is for database. I'm going to just draw this circle on the ground and position a ground circle on the screen and position it a certain place. And that's a win. And then for every small win, um, celebrate that. And then you'll find that like, after a while, you've, uh, you've had so many small wins that you've gotten to your big win. Um, and I guess make the learning that that makes the learning fun too. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the thing that has helped me learn more so much more in the last year has been kind of like we said earlier, uh, learning how to focus and figuring out how to train my focus. I feel like a broken record because I always talk about this, but I really love the book Deep Work by Cal Newport because he basically makes this point that we're all like our brains are addicted to new stimuli like TikTok and Twitter. And so if you try to set a timer for an hour and sit down and try to focus, you most of us can't anymore. Like we're losing that ability because we're thinking about email or Slack or something like that. And so he talks about all these strategies to train your focus and to make sure that you're actually learning, um, like we talked about, not kind of where you feel like you're maybe learning by seeing something or looking at content, but actually learning and being in a flow state. So I definitely, that's something I work on all the time and definitely recommend anyone to read. Nice. I don't think I've read that one, but it 
it's kind of sad too that we've you know come to this world where we are so distracted by so many things and obviously there's going to be tips on how to avoid that so it sounds like a good read I'm struggling to come up with additional advice, but one thing I will share, because you all have great ones uh, already, is I would say don't get too hung up on what everyone else around you is doing. Like, I think it's really easy to get distracted in in the sense of like being on Twitter and being like, oh, that person's so smart or so great. They've done this, 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 and this. Or, hey, I'm learning this, but this person's learning that. I think it's really just knowing that it's a journey. We all come at it from different angles. We all learn different things and know different things. Like even when you're at the top of your game as a software engineer, you still are learning from one another. And I think that's so great. Like it's something that you're never done learning. So I think about it in that way too, is like don't struggle because someone knows something that you don't know. You're not going to know it all. And I think that's the important thing there. That was brilliant advice. And we didn't even touch on that, which is like, the demotivating effect of YouTube and Twitter and all these other things where you're like, these people are so smart. I'm never going to get there. Or, you know, there's nothing new to, to learn. And I, I should have changed my closing advice to there's so much more to learn. Like look at the rise of all these ex- different technologies in the past, like five years. We're not even, we're not even close to where we're going to go as humans. There's a lot there. Like don't let what other people post uh, demotivate you. Don't like Google how to build something. Cause like chances are someone might've built it already, but don't be like, Oh, they've already built that. Like build it for yourself and you will be so much happier than just going on Twitter and seeing like what people produce. Cause you know, again, people are only showing you the highlight reels, not all the steps they took to get there. So Ryan, that, that is excellent advice. Thank you, Jim. All right. Well, let's uh, dive into picks of things that we found interesting and want to share with all of you. Stacy, you want to start it off? Sure. I'll just do one pick today. Um, the On the topic of learning, uh, this band that I really like um, basically changed their sound a bit, but I like it. They're learning, they're evolving. Um, and the song is called Algorithmic by Spotlights. Um, they're kind of a post-metal band. They have a, I guess their lyrics are a bit more subtle, um, sometimes not much at all. This new song has quite a bit more vocals, but I still like it. So cheers to learning and evolving. Cheers. Charlie, what do you have? Ooh, I have my long list again because it's been a while. Uh, so here's here's the ride. Uh, so speaking of learning, all of my picks are about learning. Um, earlier I mentioned um, kind of that like double, both having video and also having text. So like video to see the process and then text as like a quick way to refer and reference back to um maybe parts of the uh, content. Uh, so the first time I found that to be extremely effective was with uh, 3JS dash, 3, 3JS Journey. Um, and I never had the time to actually implement anything, but I really appreciated uh, the way that everything was structured. And if you are interested in learning 3JS, that was a very, very full um, and like lovingly put together resource for 3JS. Um, also, shout out to uh, the program I'm in is at NYU ITP, and we have an intro to a physical computing class, which is all about using Arduinos and sensors and LEDs and motors to affect things in the physical world. And they also have this model where they have written content with a lot of like photos and images about how you would wire up your breadboard, but also they have 
video content um, that's explaining kind of a lot of the concepts. And so having both of those was really helpful in my learning. If anybody's interested in getting into Arduinos and physical things and hardware um, and circuits. Uh, and uh, another thing about learning, uh, I've been having so much fun following our friend Alice Lee's weekly ceramic foxes over in, in on Instagram. She um, started uh kind of taking ceramics classes last year or maybe two years ago and she's gotten so deeply into it uh that uh she's getting herself a kiln um so that she can do it at home and uh her 2023 project is for each week she makes a fox themed after something that happened that week and so it's both really cute and really wholesome um, but also really cool from like someone that just goes real deep on learning a new skill. Um, and then the final one is a shameless self plug, which is uh, I just um, uh, my first ever solo art show has come back for a month um, and it's on in New York for until April 22nd. Um, and it is encapsulates so much of what I learned at my program from the last year and a half and Everything is physical. Um, every, it's in a it's in a gallery, cute little gallery in East Village. Uh, if anybody is in New York, I would love if you check it out. Otherwise, I'll like send a link for the the digital documentation of the show. Right on, uh, Jem. What do you have for us? Uh, I've got three picks today. The first one is a music pick. I've, I've probably picked them before, but worth bringing up again because I just saw them in concert the other day. And I forgot how great they are. Uh, the pick is Alt-J, their first album in Awesome Wave. One of my favorite albums of all time. I went to go see them in concert in Oakland with my wife. Fantastic. Man, I forgot how good that album is. Like, It's nice to come back to things and they still hold up. Uh, so Alt-J remains one of my favorite bands of all time. Their first album in Awesome Wave is just phenomenal. Uh, my second pick is, as some of my front-end happy hour listeners go, you know, I'm always in pursuit of my hobby, like a hobby. As I get older, I bemoan the fact that I'm like, I should be learning something. I should be getting better. So by the time I'm like 60, I should have like some things mastered, right? So I'm always trying to find a hobby. My 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 uh, loving wife understands this. And she, so she got me a woodworking class because that's how I work or that's how I learn is like, I have to be in a class. Otherwise, I'm never going to sit down and be like, let me pull up YouTube and carve some wood in my garage. Uh, so it was a two-day, 16-hour class of woodworking, and I've decided that woodworking probably isn't for me, <laughs> which is good. It's 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 all good. Um, it's probably a little too, it's too much precision. I would like to be better at like broad woodworking, but to be really, really good at it, you have to be precise, and like that is not what I'm good at. I just don't have that sort of patience. So I'm thinking I might try welding next. I don't know. Someone's probably going to tell, someone's probably going to tweet at me and be like, welding involves precision too, and I'll back to the drawing board. Um, but I will I will keep you all updated on whatever I find uh, my latest hobby to be. My third pick is a website called changingminds.org. Um, and it's fascinating all the different ways of uh, just how we talk to each other, how we convince other people to do things. And when you think about conversation, that's kind of what all conversations are at some point. You're either learning, but you're, you're kind of convincing people to do other things. And this website's so beautiful because it's simple, but it has so much information on like 
how salespeople work, techniques they use. And there's like hundreds of techniques, thousands of techniques for just salespeople. There's some for leadership. There's some for like war. There's some for everything, but it's all about like, how do you be persuasive? What are techniques that we've discovered over the years? How do you make a rational argument to somebody? How do you understand who they are and try to find that middle ground? As a, as a leader and kind of one of the a newer leader, this is really important is like, how do you convince people to do things? Because uh, as a parent too, I've learned you can't make humans do anything they don't want to do. You have to convince them some way. So this may be my next hobby is like being persuasive and learning all the different techniques. But I love this website because it's so simple. This will hold up in 10 years because the design is kind of like Craigslist. It's just really, really basic. Uh, those are my picks. Right on. Madison, what do you have for us? Yeah, um, my picks would be just two. First would be uh, CS Primer, csprimer.com. So it's a self-based computer science courses, project-based, very practical, not just on computer science, but computer architecture and just understanding how things work. Uh, there's also a course on databases and other things I haven't taken yet, but I'm going to. Um, so that's amazing. And then also I want to shout out my sister, a project that she is also launching tomorrow morning, uh, which is codetutor.ai. And it's actually a AI coding tutor with hands-on projects. So got to shout out my sister's project. It's going to be pretty exciting. That sounds really cool. We'll have to check that one out as it launches. That's really cool. Uh, I just have one pick, at, definitely on the, the theme of learning. One thing that I'm constantly trying to do better all the time is communication. How do you communicate more effectively, really briefly too, I think, which it should be effective. It's so much harder to write or to write small than write big or even speak words in, in really succinct manner. So one book that I've read recently is called Smart Brevity. It's very like tactical like it's it's some of it is you're like oh this is so obvious but once you start actually applying some of these practices it, it helps out a lot and i think that you can get your ideas across a lot easier and think more about oh okay we're bombarded by all this information how do i make things like with brevity so that people can read and digest this really quickly because there again we have millions of emails slack messages twitter messages, whatever it is i think there's an art to getting your message uh, across really concisely and with brevity so i found that book to be really great madison thanks so much for joining us this was a great topic i'm i'm really found it interesting to learn about your journey and so thanks for joining us where can people get in touch with you yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was a blast. Probably on Twitter. So my Twitter is just my name, Madison Canna. Right on. Uh, and you can find Front End Happy Hour on Twitter at Front End HH. You can follow us on really whatever you like to listen to podcasts on. Any last words? The more you know. <laughs> <laughs>